extraordinary things will happen because it's not about us or the particular local congregation we're in, but it's about Jesus and the power of his spirit. Honestly, I become pretty comfortable with ordinary. What about y'all? I can settle for ordinary. I can become very complacent with that. But the abundant life that Jesus promised his followers, he said, I came to give you life and to give you life abundantly or life to the full. Does that sound ordinary to anybody else? That's somebody who's willing to give their life for you when you were still their enemy so that you could spend eternity with a new family. Friends, that's anything but ordinary. That's, what's the word? That's extraordinary. Ordinary is people not being able to get to where they want to go, but extraordinary is people going out of their way to help others. Ordinary is people complaining. Extraordinary is people praising God. Ordinary is focusing on your hobbies or the things that you enjoy. Extraordinary is pouring into your family because that's the most important influence that you have. Ordinary is going into debt. Extraordinary is being wise with your finances and being a good steward of what God has entrusted you and living within your means. Ordinary for this paralytic was laying on his mat and begging because he had no other way to care for himself. Extraordinary were some men that got him and brought him to the feet of Jesus when he couldn't do it himself. Ordinary is dihydrogen monoxide. Extraordinary is God using that to wash your sin away. Ordinary is a collection of water. It's rained an awful lot this week. We see new lakes and puddles and ponds all over the place. Extraordinary is trusting Jesus and allowing the waters of Christian baptism to wash your sin away. The difference between ordinary, we don't need any more ordinary. We need extraordinary in our lives. You remember what I said the goal was in the beginning, not just for today, but for the church, connecting ordinary people with the extraordinary love of Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Well, they need Jesus. How? Well, nothing short of extraordinary is going to make that happen. If we open our Bibles again, it's in this same passage in, in Luke chapter 5. I just want to highlight a couple of verses here. Extraordinary friendship is how this man came to be healed. If you look back at verse, nine, or verse 18, on one of those days, just an ordinary day, in verse 18 it says, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Now, we often picture these guys as being the friends of the paralytic, but we don't know that for sure. I'd like to think there's a pretty good chance that they were. But what the text does tell us is that some men brought this paralytic to Jesus. Even, even if they weren't his friends, even if they didn't know him beforehand, which is probably unlikely, maybe they just wanted to go do good, good deed or run out and do a random act of kindness and help somebody out. But what these men did display is extraordinary friendship to somebody who was in need and needed help. They'd heard of this man who could heal him and completely change his life. And they said, we're going to do anything we can to get this man before Jesus. Their actions show us what extraordinary friendship, what extraordinary care for others can do. Jesus said there's no commandment greater than this, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Another way that we connect people to Jesus is through extraordinary force. Now, these guys came across some barriers. They got to the house, and it was full. 
It wasn't like full like we in America think stuff is full. Like it was jam-packed clown car full. Couldn't get another body in there. They can't come up to the front and bump up to the air conditioner because they're starting to sweat a little bit and it's getting uncomfortable. That's what I did before I came up here because it feels a little bit better now. But they could not do that because there were so many people in there. And they couldn't get into Jesus, but they knew they could have just given up and gone away. But there's these barriers to them. You know, sometimes we come across barriers in life. It, it was three Saturdays ago I was exercising at my house, and my lower back just tightened up like it's never done before, and I had to quit because I just did. I was like, well, maybe I can walk through the rest of this, and I could, and I was just done. I, Ella was down there with me, and I just laid down on the floor. She said, Daddy, are you okay? I said, I will be. So what I did, I didn't work out. I haven't worked out since then. I was three Saturdays ago, so that's two full weeks. Now, the first week was probably really smart, not exercising, not wanting to mess it up again, but I didn't work out again this week. You know why? Was it because my back was still bothering me? No, it's because I'm lazy, and I wanted to, but I didn't want to. But what became as a legitimate reason not to, it was a barrier that first week. It would have been unwise for me to try to work out that week right after it happened. But the second week, I'd have been okay. I just didn't do it, but I used this legitimate reason from the beginning and kind of let that trickle on. And I think, have you ever been there before? Where you let something kind of carry on and you don't do things that you should do, you don't stop doing things that you know that you should. There's some barriers that these guys came across when they're bringing Jesus. They said, he needs to be healed. We can't get in there. Well, let's go up onto the roof. We can pull this thatch roof open and lower him down. And then they can't ignore us. I can just imagine the crowd dispersing as the stuff starts falling on them and they're getting out of the way, not to make room, but just probably to protect themselves. And then this paralytic is lowered down before them. It's hard to speculate, but I have to think since nobody else noticed that this guy needed to be to Jesus more than anybody else in that room that maybe some people in that room were much more concerned about being in the presence of Jesus than somebody who really needed to be introduced to Jesus. And what I hope is that for me as a Christian is that I'm never too concerned with me being in the presence of Jesus, that I get in the way of somebody who desperately needs to be healed by Jesus. Because we see these situations in life and we go, yes, somebody is ill and they could die. Or someone... really needs help. And we recognize these things. Yet what I find to be true, unfortunately more often than not, is that we all need Jesus just as desperately as this paralytic did. Every one of us urgently needs to be healed of our sin. And Jesus healed this man from his sin. It wasn't his sin that caused him to be a paralytic, which, by the way, that's probably what everybody in town thought. He did something to deserve this. His family did something, so that's why he was paralyzed. But there's this urgency and this extraordinary force that these just ordinary guys that carried this man to the feet of Jesus and his house was forever changed. Because it's not just about being holy, but it's about maybe creating a hole or creating a space for somebody who is far from God, who needs the gospel explained to them in a way that God's going to just grab a hold of their heart. And they're going to follow after Jesus. And what we also see is an extraordinary faith. Let's look at verse 20. 
They lowered this guy through the roof right before Jesus into his midst. And verse 20 says, And when he, Jesus, saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiving. And then the crowd cheers and everybody's excited. That's not what happens. They grumble and they complain and say, who in the world does he think that he is? They didn't rejoice that this man's sins were forgiven. And I have to think as I'm looking at the faith here, it says very clearly in verse 20, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Maybe your friends coming to faith in Jesus has less to do with them and more to do with you. Maybe my friends who are far from God coming to Jesus has less to do with them and more to do with me. Because Luke, the physician who told us this story of Jesus, is very clear in the pronoun that he used. When Jesus saw their plural faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Because of the faith of these people that brought the paralytic to Jesus, the paralytic's sins were forgiven. Maybe. Perhaps more likely than we would think. The biggest barrier in people that I know that are far from God isn't their lack of faith, but it's me. And not listening to God when he tells me, when he gives me an opportunity to share Jesus with them. A lot of times maybe we think, well, they're never going to respond. I've told, maybe, you know, well, I can't control other people. In all of our relationships, there's God's part and there's my part and there's the other person's part. I can do my part. I can be obedient to Jesus. At least I can try, right? I can't do God's part and I can't do their part. Maybe that person you've been praying for for a long time. Maybe that person you know desperately needs Jesus that you care for. Maybe it's more to do with you than them. Now, we can't make other people come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit does that, okay? But this man's sins were forgiven. And not just that, when people grumbled and they said, you can't forgive sins, who are you? Well, Jesus gave him some proof to show him that I can forgive sins because I am God. I'm going to tell this man to take up your mat and go home. It's very interesting, these last words of Jesus from this story in verse 24. He said, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, go home. The word that's used there for home was a very specific word. It means an inhabited house, not just an empty building or a place or go wherever it is that you begged before. But he said, go to an inhabited place. He said, go back to the people that you know the best and tell them what has happened because that's where we're going to have the biggest influence with others for our faith. That's where you're going to have the biggest influence with others for Jesus is go to the place where people know you best and don't tell them what the preacher told you. Don't tell them what your mama told you. Tell them what Jesus has shown you in your life. That's what makes a difference. And when you do that, you don't have to remember Bible verses. You don't have to remember a five-step plan to sell. You don't have to remember any of that stuff. If you're willing to share what Jesus has done for you and you're going to speak, you'd be amazed at how often the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Maybe even as they're coming out, you may still feel like a rumbling, bumbling, can't say the right thing. But God, when we're following after him, is not just going to do ordinary things. He's going to do extraordinary things. And maybe that's the most important thing that we can do is to share what Jesus has done in your life with the people who know you best. Maybe you think, Joel, they already know. They know I'm a believer and they, they go to, tell them. 
Share with them. Talk to your family about your faith. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. Talk to your people that you come across every day that maybe you take for granted and you haven't had a faith-based conversation with somebody who you know is also a part of the kingdom of God like you are. Or maybe you're not a part yet, and maybe you want to be. And maybe you know that God has put somebody in your life, and you would just feel moved to have that conversation with somebody. Have that conversation. Last couple of verses of this story, verse 25 and 26. Jesus says, Arise, say to you, rise, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately the paralytic, he rose up and went before them and picked up what had been lying, the mat he had been lying on, and he went home, glorifying God. See, when Jesus heals you, when Jesus changes your life, you do what he says. Sometimes we like to overcomplicate it. Verse 26, and amazement seized them all. Uh, Them all is a very technical word for everybody there. Even the Pharisees, even the teachers of the law, who maybe we can give a hard time sometimes based on what we know how. Everybody there was amazed at what Jesus did. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, "What We have seen extraordinary things today. I love the story that Aaron Chambers shared in his book, uh, Chapter 5 of Loving Like Jesus. It's a companion to the study that we're doing. We've got some out in the back. If you're with us today and you want one of those, grab one on your way out. We're reading that as we come in to kind of get us ready for worship. But it's a phenomenal book about Jesus and faith and the stories. But he shares on page 82, he says years ago, he went uh, with a small team on a medical mission trip to Guatemala. He said that particular day it had been scalding hot and that their team had seen about 40 people. Dr. Chris, as it was coming to the end of the day, was, came across this listless boy named Pedro. Pedro's mom brought him before the doctor, and Pedro moved very slowly, and he didn't smile. And Pedro's mom said, he's always like that. He doesn't play. He doesn't get in a hurry. His expressions almost never change on his face. Dr. Chris diagnosed Pedro with asthma. And not just some in acute form, but he diagnosed Chris with, or Pedro, with an enormous, severe case of asthma, so much so that he started treating him right away. The doctor determined that Pedro was using one-third of one of his lungs to breathe. So what Pedro, even as a young boy, had learned to do was to limit his movement, to limit his emotions, to limit his facial expressions, because he had to preserve the little bit of air that he could get in his body just so he could stay alive. I wonder what that team that went with Aaron to Guatemala thought that they would do. I wonder if they thought these extraordinary things are going to happen because they're willing to use the gifts that God gave them and that they worked hard to hone in to go and to serve and to help other people. The transformation in Pedro was extraordinary. They said within 20 minutes he was laughing and smiling and playing because he had breath in his lungs. Maybe you feel like the wind's been taken out of your lungs for too long. What the great physician can do is to heal. And he's ready to do that. He knows exactly what you need. Are you tired of living in an ordinary life? Come experience the extraordinary love of Jesus. Let's pray.
God, may we never take you for granted. May we know that you are there to free us. God, that you're there to take away the shackles of our sin. God, you're there for us. Even when we don't recognize you, you're there. God, we are so grateful for the extraordinary love of Jesus. God, may you rebuke us when we think, oh, yeah, but nobody wants to hear about that. I don't want to bother anybody with my faith. God, give us opportunities to share Jesus with the people that we see every day and give us the boldness to take those on. Father, being a part of your kingdom and your family is not ordinary at all. God, may we be reminded of this extraordinary love that Jesus has for us. It's in Jesus' name I ask all of these things. Amen.